Acts chapter 17 this morning. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. This is God's Word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Word. We thank You that You are a communicative God. That even before creation existed uh, within the Trinity, You were a communicative God. Lord, we thank You that Though we do not deserve uh, to hear your voice, that we have done nothing uh, to, to merit you stooping down and speaking to us, we thank you for your grace in doing so. We thank you for the, the wonderful gift of your word. And Father, this morning as we uh, approach your word, we pray that you would help us, help us to hear uh, from you through it. Lord, we confess that uh, we are like needy children dependent on you, dependent on your spirit to work in, in us and through your word. And we pray that you would do so, trusting that you desire to do so, trusting that you desire to build your church through the preaching of your word. We ask that you would help us, Lord, We pray for those of us who are tired, for those of us who are younger and and maybe have a hard time paying attention, that that you would help us to uh, believe this morning that we are uh, dealing with your very word, that just as Moses heard your word through the burning bush, that we get to hear your word uh, through Scripture. We pray that you would bless your people this morning, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If there is one group of people commended uh, perhaps more than anyone else to us in how they respond to Bible teaching, it's the Bereans. It's the Bereans. The Bereans are uh, the example, they're the, the standard of how we ought to respond to the teaching of God's Word. We, we value the Bereans. We, we hold them in high esteem, how they respond to God's Word. But what does it mean to be a Berean? What does it mean to be a Berean? If we uh, value how they respond to biblical teaching, it would probably be good to make sure we understand how they responded to biblical teaching, right? Because if we have some sort of uh, false notion of what the Bereans were, if we have a false notion of, of what of, of how they receive the teaching of God's Word, and we hold them in high esteem, what we end up doing is 
holding in high esteem a false notion of what the Bereans did. And so it's important that we understand what it means to be a Berean. It's important that we have a biblical depiction of how they responded to God's Word being taught. And so with that in mind, let's, let's uh, reread the text this morning, thinking through this, thinking about how the Bereans respond uh, to the taught Word of God. Again in verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. This is what they did. Listen. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. The context of this uh, passage is we have Paul and Silas had just come from Thessalonica. Uh, there they had encountered mob violence in response to the gospel. And so they uh, flee Thessalonica. They make their way to Berea, which is about 50 miles uh, southwest of uh, Thessalonica. And there, just like they did in Thessalonica, in Berea they proclaim the apostolic message. They proclaim the gospel, the good news of who Christ is and, and what he had accomplished. And the text says that uh, the Berean Jews were more noble than the Thessalonians and how they responded to this message. And because of that, that, that statement, this, this statement that the Bereans were noble-minded in how they responded to uh, the teaching of God's word, that statement should cause us to want to understand how they received the preached word. How did they respond to the teaching of uh, God's word? How did they respond uh, to the gospel being taught to them from the Old Testament? What makes the Bereans more noble than the Thessalonians? What does it mean to be a Berean? Well, first of all, we see that the Bereans received the word with all eagerness. They received the word with all eagerness again. In verse 11, now the Jews were more noble than, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. The Bereans, they, they listened uh, to the preached word and they received it. Not passively, not in a disinterested manner, not with hostility, but with eagerness. Being a Berean means having an openness, an eagerness to hear the preached word. They didn't immediately write off what Paul and Silas were teaching. They received it. They were actually willing to hear what Paul and Silas were teaching them from God's word. This is what it looks like to be a noble-minded uh, Berean. And so, uh, a point of application for us right off the bat, do we receive the Word of God with eagerness? Do we receive the Word of God with eagerness? Are we actually willing to listen and, and even be corrected by the teaching of God's Word? The, the Bereans were. Now, there's a number of things that can make that challenging, isn't there? I mean, first of all, 
not having a good night's sleep could make that challenging. But more than that, uh, something to consider when thinking about what obstacles make it hard to receive the Word with eagerness is, do I think that God's Word and the teaching of it is important? Do I think God's Word and the teaching of it is important? We sort of naturally engage in things that we think are important, don't we? If we think something is unimportant, uh, we are less likely to engage with it. Uh, For instance, I'm sorry, I don't think college football is that important. (laughs) Sorry, Charlie. (laughs) So I don't engage with it, right? I'm not concerned about it. But if if someone did think it was important, they would engage with it. Uh, For me, I I used to really be into hockey, okay? And uh, there are degrees of engagement that you can have with a hockey game. Typically, fans are more engaged in playoff games. There's more on the line. It's, It's more important. Each game is more important. There's this understanding amongst the fans of hockey that uh, this game is, is more important, and so I'm more engaged with it. Sort of the, the height of engagement in hockey would probably be found in, in a game seven of a Stanley Cup finals. The, the last game, this, this game determines the whole thing. Uh, even more engagement if you're in overtime, uh, which in, in hockey is sudden death, so what that means is the next goal wins it all. And so there, there's so much on the line, and, and all of a sudden everything becomes important. Every little detail is important. Every uh, pass, every face-off, every shot, every hit, every goalie save, every line change, all, all of the details of hockey become so um, uh, important. You're so engaged in every little thing that's going on because you know that this minor thing might actually have great implications for who wins the whole thing. And the more that you understand it, the more that you think that it is important, the more that you are engaged with it. Now, at the end of the day, hockey's just a bunch of people hitting around a puck with sticks on ice. It's not really that important, is it? But if, if people can be so engaged with something of so little importance, if we can be at the edge of our seat, biting our fingernails, as it were, so concerned about what's going to happen next with something so really unimportant. How much more should the people of God be engaged with the Word of God? How much more should the people of God be engaged with the Word of God, the God who not only created us, but has redeemed us from our sin and our slavery to it? The very God who has purchased us with the blood of His Son has spoken to us here. Isn't this book important? Isn't every word of of our Savior important to us? If, If we believe that, if we approach God's Word believing that every book Every sentence, every action by God, every attribute of God, every detail, every command, every genealogy even, every jot and tittle has great importance. We will be engaged with the teaching of God's Word and receive it with eagerness. 
The Bereans demonstrated their belief in the importance of God's Word. And they demonstrate that with the fact that they receive God's Word with eagerness. Now, we need God's help in this area. I, I'm sure all of us feel a great sense of need for help in this area to be able to receive God's Word with eagerness. And ultimately, if, if we come to church unengaged, unreceptive, with sort of a sleepy hearts, disinterested minds, it, it may be, might not necessarily be, but it may be a symptom of a disbelief that we're actually about to hear God speaking to us through His Word. And that this is important. This matters. This is crucial. It's, it's critical. And when we, when we, when we come with, with this belief that this is God's Word, that it is as if God is speaking to Moses through that burning bush, through this. If we believe that, if we value it, the more we'll be engaged with it. So one obstacle towards that, again, is, is a, a disbelief of the importance of God's Word. Another obstacle that may make it difficult for someone to receive the teaching of God's Word is um, an, un- an unteachable spirit, an unteachable spirit. That can take many forms. Uh, an unteachable spirit uh, may believe that they already know all that there is to know about God's Word. An unteachable spirit uh, might be unreceptive to anything different from what they already believe. Uh, an unteachable spirit may limit what is important in God's Word only to the things that it understands. And if you think about it, if, if we have these views, if, if I already know all there is to know about God's Word, if I'm not open to hearing something contrary to what I already believe, and if I limit what is important in God's Word to the things I already understand, how will I ever grow in my understanding of God's Word? The Bereans were not like this. They were, they were open to hear this teaching from Paul and Silas. They were open to being taught, to having their thinking corrected. And that's the, the type of spirit that we want, teachable. The teachability to receive the teaching of God's Word with all eagerness. And in, in order to, to be teachable, we need to understand that we haven't plumbed the depths of the totality of God's Word. We haven't arrived yet. This is, as a side note, this is why I think it is important every now and then when we're teaching children to teach things that are over their head. Not all the time, but from time to time. Because what that shows them is that they haven't arrived yet. We do a great disservice to our children if they think they understand the whole Bible by the time they graduate high school. That they've mastered it. And so... In the same way, we, we, don't, we want to come to God's Word understanding that we haven't mastered it. It takes a lifetime to master it. And even then, we haven't mastered it. <laughs> we haven't yet plumbed the depths of God's Word. We also want to be open to having our thinking about God's Word corrected. That, that I, may actually, I may actually be viewing something in God's Word incorrectly. 
Now, that's a, that's a hard thing. That's kind of a scary thing uh, to be open to. But if, if we're not open to the fact that we may be wrong about something, can we be corrected in it? I think what should be more scary to us is not that um, someone might correct us. What should be more scary to us is that we might have something wrong and we will never be corrected on it. I think we probably all know a, a person or two who is um, uh, sort of, how do I say this? We all know a person or two who never responds well to correction. I would assume. That any time you say, hey, maybe you should have done this, or they always respond poorly, right? And what naturally happens with those people is that you start to just not even bother to correct them. And isn't that a scary thought? That we would get to a point where someone doesn't feel like they can correct us? We want to have a teachable heart. We want to be open to being corrected. And again, we want to view every part of God's Word as important, not just the parts we understand, that, that every word in this book is important. Some things are more important than others, but every word from the voice of God is important. God doesn't waste words. He doesn't put extra words in there that are unimportant. God speaks, and we have a responsibility to want to know what He has said, and it's important. The Bereans, again, believed that God's word was important. They had teachable spirits, and as a result, they received the word with all eagerness, and they were commended for it. Secondly, we see that the Bereans were also more noble because they examined the Scriptures daily to see if the teaching they received was true. Again, in verse 11, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see, to see if these things were so. Now, both of these points are important. Okay, one, uh, we, we, we can't have one without the other. On one hand, we want to be open, just like the Bereans were open to the teaching of God's Word. They were open to what Paul and Silas had to say, but on the other hand, they also tested what they heard. They tested the teaching they received with the authority of Scripture. The Bereans did not have a sort of undiscerning openness. They wanted to be convinced from God's word that these things were so. They weren't tossed uh, to and fro by every new doctrine they heard. They tested the teaching by examining the scripture daily. They examined the scripture daily to see if what they heard was true. That, that shows a zealousness, a, a zeal that they want to know what God's word says. They're, they're, they're examining it daily, every day. They're looking through, they're thinking through what Paul and Silas have said, and they're checking to make sure that what they're saying is biblical. They were motivated to know what God has said. It was important to them. It was essential to them. This was God's word to them, and they had to know what he had said. And so... We're starting to develop a framework here. Uh, through the Bereans, we, we see a helpful way that we are to respond to the teaching of God's Word, particularly to teaching that we've never heard before. That first of all, we're open to it. We listen. We're willing 
to be taught if we're wrong, but secondly, we pursue the hard work of examining that teaching in light of Scripture. In encountering the teaching of Paul and Silas, the Bereans didn't test it with their tradition. What they grew up with, they, they didn't test it with their emotions, how the teaching made them feel. The Bereans didn't test this new teaching with their experience. Nor do they test it with their reason, their own sort of ability to comprehend it all. They test the, this teaching that they're hearing with the authority the ultimate authority of God's word. What has God said? What has God said? If we want to follow in their footsteps, when we hear the teaching of God's word that may necessitate a change in our thinking, we we should first be open to it. And second, we should test it in light of the whole counsel of God's word. Has God said this? Is it true? Now, like with anything else, there, again, are obstacles uh, to us examining teaching in light of Scripture. Again, do we think it's important? Because if we think it's unimportant, we're probably not going to be willing to do the hard work of examining the Scriptures. Another obstacle uh, we should consider, I see this a lot in the modern American church, is sort of an agnostic view of Scripture. An agnostic view of Scripture. What do I mean by that? Um, an agnostic view of, of, of the truth of Scripture says, who can really know what God's Word says? Who can really know what God's Word says? An agnostic view of Scripture says, we can't really definitively say God said this or meant this, that people have debated this thing for hundreds or maybe even thousands of years. Who are we to give definitive answers as to what God has said? It would be prideful for us to clearly interpret what God has said. Who can really know what God has said? Well, there's several issues with that sort of a view. One, every major doctrine of the Christian faith has been debated for thousands of years. And so if we determine what we're getting rid of based upon who has or how long people have debated it, people have debated something for a long time, then we shouldn't hold to that truth. Well, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace alone through faith alone, the infallibility of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, we could go on. All of these things have been debated for a very long time. And so if we just jettison the things that have been debated, the things that people disagree on, we would have to jettison everything. That's a problem. If we are consistent with sort of a who-can-really-know view of of the truth claims of Scripture, then we have to uh, get rid of any sort of definitive answer on all these topics. The second problem, and again, there are others, is that if we have an agnostic view of Scripture, if we have this sort of notion that who can really say what God has said, that sort of view hampers a person's motivation to examine the Scriptures daily. If we, if we believe that we can't really know what Scripture says, why even pursue examining it? Why grapple with original languages? Why think through context? Why do the grunt work to wrestle with the whole of Scripture? Why work through how the Bible interprets itself? 
If at the end of it all, who can really know? However, however, if we believe that God has spoken in such a way that we can actually make definitive truth claims about his word, if we believe that God has spoken clearly and he did not stutter, if we believe these things, then we're going to be motivated to do the hard work of examining scripture because God has spoken and we can hear him. And again, there are things that are less clear than others but we can actually understand what God has said because God is able to speak in such a way that we can understand him, thankfully. The Bereans received the word with all eagerness. They were motivated to do the hard work of examining scriptures daily to see if the things that they heard heard were true. Thirdly, The Bereans examined the scriptures corporately. The Bereans examined the scriptures corporately as a a whole body. And this may be something that you've never thought about before, but but it's critical. The Bereans examined scripture corporately. Often in sort of our American, modern, uh, individualistic context, we, we, we read this that they examine the scriptures daily to see if these things were so, and we imagine this sort of uh, scene of the, each individual Berean going home with their Bibles open to test what Paul and Silas had said. That they were each individual private investigators, alone by themselves. There's one major problem with that interpretation. The Bereans did not have their own individual Bibles. The scriptures uh, for them, which at this point would have been just the Old Testament, would have been available to them in the synagogue. In the synagogue, they would not have been available to them at home. And so understanding that paints a very different picture of what's going on here, what the the Bereans are doing. Examining the scripture uh, meant examining them in the synagogue together, corporately. They were daily going to the synagogue to work these things out, to discuss, to test, to ask questions regarding these things that they had been taught. Furthermore, I think it is a, um, we can assume fairly confidently that Paul and Silas were probably there as well. That they wouldn't have said, oh, you guys are working through this stuff in the synagogue, we'll let you just handle that on your own. Right, that they probably, just like they did in, in, in Thessalonica, they probably reasoned with them from the scriptures as they examined it together. Far from uh, this being an individualistic endeavor, this is a corporate examination of the scriptures. Being a Berean does not mean I test the teaching of scripture in isolation. Being a Berean means interacting with the person who's, who's teaching and, and testing these things by examining Scripture with the whole body of Christ, working through things together. There should be a dialogue when examining Scripture. And I think that's important for us because it's very tempting for us to just go out on our own. Uh, in our day, we, we live in a very individualistic culture, And so we need to resist the impulse of only doing our own private investigation. 
I'm not saying don't do private investigation, but we should resist the impulse of only doing that. Examining Scripture like the brains is not only going home and doing a Google search on a topic. Examining Scripture like the brains is not only reading my favorite celebrity pastor's point of view on the topic. Examining Scripture like the brains is not only reading my favorite commentary on a passage. It's pretty easy to find people that will agree with you when you do those sorts of things. Being a Berean means examining Scripture with the body of Christ and even interacting with the person who's teaching. Asking questions, thinking through things, working things out together, iron, sharpening iron. And so as a point of application... If something is taught from Scripture that you're unsure of, you're open to it, but you want to test it with Scripture, have a dialogue. Have a dialogue with with your church family, with the body of Christ. Have a conversation with your pastors. We all all have a vital function in the church. And uh, pastors have been equipped and specifically called for the ministry of the Word in the body of Christ. We're we're not uh, infallible. We don't have all the answers. We're still growing and learning. But if you have questions about things, if you're working through something that's difficult to understand, if, if God has given the body of Christ pastors to be ministers of the Word, don't you think it's important to have a conversation with your pastors about the Word? Again, we're, we're, not, we're not infallible. We're not superhumans. Uh, but God has called us to a calling, and, uh, and it would be foolish to ignore that, to, to not take advantage of that. So the Bereans, again, they're noble in the response to the teaching of Scripture. We've seen three things. We see that they receive the Word with eagerness, that they examine the Scripture daily. Thirdly, we saw that they examine the Scriptures corporately. Lastly, The Bereans were noble in their response to the teaching of Scripture because they believed it. They believed it. Let's reread verse 11 and 12. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Verse 12, many of them therefore believed. They believed. After Eagerly receiving the teaching and examining it in light of Scripture, the Bereans received that teaching in faith. What was first uh, sort of just a reception of openness becomes a reception in faith. They're not just open to hearing it, they're believing it. This is an essential element in our hearing of God's Word taught. And, And we may actually sometimes have more of a Roman Catholic view of what's going on here than than we may think. Because in the Roman Catholic view, it is enough for us to just go and do the thing without any faith. It's enough just to take communion without any faith. It's enough to hear what the the guy up front says without any faith. But we're we're not Roman Catholics. We believe in the essential nature of faith. That faith must be coupled with our hearing of God's Word. It's 
no good to us to receive the word taught and eagerness, to examine the Scripture daily and corporately if we do not also receive the truth of Scripture in faith, believing it. If you think about it, for the Bereans, this was the difference between salvation and damnation for them. They could have done all these things, but if they didn't actually believe and receive in faith what was taught, they would not have been saved. They could have seen that what Paul and Silas was saying was scriptural, that it was in the Bible, but if they did not believe it, if they did not receive it in faith, they would not have been saved. From the Old Testament, Paul reasons and explains the reality of Christ and the necessity of what he did. And if the Bereans did not receive these truths in faith, they would not be noble-minded. They would be foolish. They would have been left on the road to judgment. As a side note, if you're here today and you've heard the good news of Christ proclaimed to you, you need to understand this. It is not enough to be open to the reality of Christ dying on the cross for your sins. It is not even enough to believe that Christ died on the cross for sins. You must receive it for yourself in faith, believing it, grabbing hold of Christ and all that he has done in faith. And so my admonition to you today, if if you have not done this, grab hold of the truth of Christ crucified for your sins by faith. Believe that you must have this Savior and believe that you really have this Savior through faith. That in Christ your sin really is paid for. That in Christ you have a perfect righteousness in your account. Grab hold of these things in faith. For the Christian here, let let this be our continual response to Christ preached to us. Let us time and time again lay hold of these things by faith. Christ really did suffer on my account. He bore my sins in his body. He really did bear the wrath of God for my sin. My sin really is paid for. I I really have His righteousness credited to me. I really have His Holy Spirit working in me and and changing me. We need to be reminded of these things weekly and, and to believe these things daily. Not only that, let us not only continually lay hold of Christ preached to us by faith, but let's receive the whole word of God in faith. The, uh, not just the gospel promises of God, but the commands of God, the truths of who we are and who God is, the ways that God has worked, the ways that God is working. In some, let us receive the whole counsel of God's word in faith, even the parts that may make us uncomfortable. This is very important and um, for all of us, for, for me as well, is when, when we hear the word taught to us and preached to us, it's not enough to just listen. It's not even enough to examine the teaching from Scripture. If the, if the things that are taught are biblical, we must receive them. We must receive that, that teaching in faith. It's a, 
I, I think we can have this idea that, that coming to church and sitting in the pew is a sort of passive activity where we just, we're just sort of pew potatoes. Listening to the preaching and teaching of God's Word is an active activity in which we, we, we not only listen, but we actively believe the things that are in accordance with the Word of God. We wrestle with them and, and, and we, we, we lay hold of these things in, in faith. We actively receive the truth of God's Word in faith. We chew on it. We digest it into our very souls. We apply it. It, it becomes a part of us. It's a, it's a sort of two-sided activity where the preacher has the responsibility to faithfully preach the whole counsel of God's Word. And the listener has a responsibility to, to receive that which is biblical in faith. And sort of the interesting dynamic, even for the preacher, we're also listening and trying to receive these things in faith, the things that are biblical. Again, sitting under the word taught does us no good if we do not receive it in faith. Think about this. If a man works diligently to prepare his dinner, if he spends all day smoking ribs, uh, peeling and mashing potatoes, if he gets all his spices just right, if he works hard to set his table with the finest silverware, if he takes great care in folding his napkins, he, I don't know, he makes it into a swan or something. He, he does all this work if he prepares this grand feast on an elegant table. If he does all of these things and yet he doesn't pick up his fork and knife and eat the food and digest it, does it do his body any good? Likewise, we, we can work so hard to get to church. We can work hard to wake up in the morning, to dress nicely, to brush our teeth, hopefully, to get the kids out of the door in a mad dash. We can sit in, in the pew and, and be present at the feast of God's word, and yet if we do not receive God's word in faith, truly believing it, chewing on it, digesting it, applying it, should we expect that our soul benefit from the word that we've heard? Shouldn't we rather expect that our souls be just as famished as before? The word taught, if it is in accordance with Scripture, must be received by faith. To be a Berean means to believe and respond to scriptural truths that are taught. And what's our, what's our motive in all of this? What's our, our motive in um, eagerly receiving God's word and, and examining it? What's our motive in, in, in working to try to receive God's word in faith, even when we're tired? Our motive is that, again, this is the very word of God. This is the God who has saved us. This is the God who has purchased us with the blood of His Son. This is the God who has loved us with such an infinite depth of love that we can't even fathom it. This is the God who has paid for our sins, who has given us 
this righteousness who has adopted us as his children, who has given us the promises of, of, seeing, of, of making sure that we see it to the end. This is the God who has promised us glory. This God who has made, done such wonderful things and made such precious promises and, and we have not done anything to deserve it. This is the God with whom we have all of the favor we could possibly have because of the finished work of Christ. Our motive in, in, in desiring to know God's word, our, our motive in desiring to receive it in faith is the fact that God has been so good and gracious towards us. And we want to hear our fatherly voice in the words of Scripture. We want to understand what he has said, not to try to earn something from him, but because he has been so wonderfully gracious towards us. He has been so loving towards us. We, we want to hear and understand the voice of our Creator, of our Savior, of our, of our, of our Heavenly Father. And as we think through this, there should be a sense of, that we all, all have of the challenge of this. Because even now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm up here and I can see when people are nodding off and tired and, and I understand that. And it, it's hard. It can be hard to, to sit for a specific amount of time on a Sunday morning. It's a challenge. And not only that, there's the challenge of our own disbelief that we're working through, our own sin. And so our motive is, is how good God has been to us. That's why we pursue it. And our encouragement is that we're ultimately, though, though we strive to try to do these things, we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. And that's why we cry out to God because we sense the challenge of this all. To, to actually listen appropriately to God's word and believe it. And so we cry out to God in, in utter dependence, Lord, help me. I'm weak. <laughs> I don't often value your word the way that I ought to. I can, I can be so sleepy and, and disinterested even in your very word. And, and that's a reflection not, not on your word. It's a reflection of, on me. And thank God for the blood of Christ. And, and Lord, please help me by the power of your spirit because I want to hear your voice. I want to understand your voice. In conclusion, let us pursue the example that we have in the Bereans. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, let us respond to the word taught with, with openness and, and eagerness. Let us corporately examine the scriptures. Let us receive in faith the things that are in accordance with God's word. God has richly blessed us in his word. Let us treasure this gift. Let us grow in our understanding of what God has revealed to us. Let us grow as we plumb the depths of the great truths of our glorious Savior. And let us pray that God would help us to be noble-minded like the Bereans in our response to his word. Let's pray. Father, you are, are so good to us. We, we can confess our sinfulness that we see that it is a great sin to be lackadaisical towards your word. That it does you a great dishonor to not really care about what your word says. 
We confess this as sin, and we thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you for the blood of Christ that washes the sin white as snow. We thank you for the righteousness of Christ and our account that allows us to boldly approach your throne of grace. We thank you for the Spirit of Christ, whom you have sent to work in us, to make us more like Christ, to actually care about what you have said, to believe every word that you have said. Lord, we ask for your help. We're we're like children in more ways than one, uh, so easily distracted. We have such a hard time paying attention to the most important things. Lord, we pray that you would mature us, that you would grow us, that you would show your uh, power and grace in helping us to receive your word in faith. That you would show your power and grace in helping us to value every word that you have spoken. We pray that you would help us by your grace and power to believe every word that you have spoken particularly help us to believe the, the, the glorious promises and in, in, in your glorious work accomplished in Christ Jesus. And Father, we, we thank you that we can depend on you, that you are faithful even when we are unfaithful. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5 now. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. And amen. If if you'd like prayer, there'll be a prayer couple up front. Otherwise, you're dismissed. I would encourage you to come again for Sunday night service. Thank you.